Hello, and welcome to a mini episode of Gallery 44's podcast. I'm your host, Lillian O'Brien Davis, curator of exhibitions and public programs at Gallery 44. On today's mini episode, we have a special guest. Here to talk about our vitrines exhibition, Art for Animals, is artist and ecologist Jeffrey Meldrum. Meldrum is a wildlife ecologist working for the provincial parks in the province of Saskatchewan. Jeff is a builder, creator, musician, and occasional wilderness dweller whose work within the visual art world often uses satire to diminish the self-congratulatory preeminence of the human species, its innumerable grand experiments, and the mythologies it constructs. Meldrum works through an intermedia lens, engaging with photography, sculpture, and performance. Living and working in Treaty 4 and Treaty 6 territory in Saskatchewan has instilled in him a strong connection to the land, which has prompted inquiries into animal-human relationships, wild animal cognition, and the masculinity present in the wilderness and hunting culture. Artwork for Animals is an ongoing project that introduces sculpture to the wilderness of northern Saskatchewan. The project utilizes motion-activated trail cameras typically utilized by hunters to document wild animals interacting with the sculptural work. By using wild animals as a metaphorical stand-in for humans, nature will work towards breaking down the Cartesian dichotomy of human versus animal. Rather than elevate the animal to the status of the human being, though, this project aims to diminish the egocentric nature of contemporary art and human culture. Thanks so much for joining me today, Jeff. So um, to start us off, I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about your work. Um, I'm not sure if our audience would be as familiar with some of the nuances of your research. Uh, Yeah, so basically I started um, with an interest in trying to figure out how wild animals would be interested in sculptural interventions in the forest. And so uh, what I would do is I I started out with some pretty uh, simple sculptures. These simple sculptures mimicked objects that were already naturally uh, occurring in the forest, such as trees. But I would use uh, different colors and different shapes to represent the branches, uh, choosing colors that would stand out, contrasting to the greens of the forest, and then also using some analogous colors just to sort of see what the animals were interested in. Uh, And then it quickly became apparent that they were very interested in the project, or in the sculptures anyway. And so the project kind of evolved to take on a bit more of a conceptual form. And I started to intentionally collaborate with the animals, uh, most notably the bears, them being the most interested in what was going on. And so to capture the images of the bears interacting with the work, I set up what are called trail cameras. Um, They're typically used by hunters. They're kind of like these $150 cameras you can get at Cabela's or uh, like Bass Pro Shop. And you put basically put them on a tree, put some batteries and SD card in there. And then they have a motion sensor and so the cameras would take photos of the animals interacting with the work uh while i wasn't there so i didn't really take any of the photographs per se like i I wasn't i wasn't hitting the trigger on the camera yeah i think the fact of your absence is really interesting because i 
think when we talk about art making, a lot of times the human hand or the intervention of the human hand is sort of at the forefront of making something art. What, whether it's sort of like you're the one that tosses the bits of paper to kind of create a collage or the person who does the precision brushwork of a painting or something, or even like pushing a button to take a picture. Like usually there's that human interaction. And so in your case, that's sort of integral to the art making is that you're not there because if you were present, the bears wouldn't show up. I assume they'd give you a bit of space. Um, I think you're, you're, you talk about sort of like your relationship to this kind of like human animal dichotomy and how you typically recognize it and then how you're trying to trouble it. So could you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, for sure. No, I think it, it, uh, it is an important aspect of the work that I'm, I'm not really there. Obviously my hand is involved, uh, somehow, you know, setting up sculptures or, uh, touching up the photos, um, after they've come to be and, and also just choosing the photos too, because it, there's like thousands of photos that I end up going through but yeah no that that absence is very important in the work and it it kind of makes it more of the bear's work than my own which is a a distinction that I think is important yeah and I'm curious when you're describing setting them up and, and the hunting kind of culture that they're these trail cams are associated with like have you encountered other folks in the woods who maybe have encountered your work sort of in situ, like hunters, like, do you, do you get sort of real-time reaction from people or, or what's, what's that been like? Unfortunately, I never have, like I'm uh, where I do this is pretty remote and it's, it's, I guess, considered private land and Saskatchewan recently passed a, what I think is kind of the, uh, at the heart of it is a, is a racist law about, private property and trespassing. Other people don't generally make it out there uh, unless they're invited out there by myself. Right. Um, but I have, you know, seen these trail cameras used for hunting purposes before. And, and yeah, it's kind of interesting. Like they're used to sort of pattern animals. So something like a, like a white tailed deer will like visit a certain spot at a specific time. Uh, of the day. And so hunters will utilize the information that they get from the camera to set themselves up at a, at a certain spot at a certain time of day. I don't know if that, that fact feeds into my art making at all. Um, I haven't really been able to pattern the bears from what I learned from the cameras, but I've, I've certainly learned a lot from them and, and a lot about them. Yeah. I think, yeah, whether or not like the the sort of pattern or or um, hunting aspect like feeds into the final product, like the idea of close observation feels like very relevant to the work in terms of wanting to kind of like work collaboratively, which is usually like a really intense, like prolonged process with humans. So I imagine it's sort of there's some carryover there with with the bears. And so on that note, I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about 
um, the bear reaction to the current economy. Um, have there been any concerns amongst these bears with regard to in, uh, inflation? Yeah, well, um, there's the price of rent in Toronto, I, I hear, has skyrocketed. So um, bears have been mass exiting to uh, uh, different parts of, of Canada, including Saskatchewan, some of, some of whom I have uh, dealt with. Um, but uh, when I realized that the bears were quite interested in the sculptures and started dreaming up a way to collaborate with them, I decided that I should come up with a way where the bears can show me that they are, in fact, interested in collaborating. Um, I didn't want to make any assumptions about them. And I wanted to make sure that they were paid fairly. Um, and so I set out a novelty-sized check for the bears uh, in the woods, and they reacted with great enthusiasm and gobbled it up. And I sort of took that as a sign that uh, they wanted to collaborate further with me, um, which uh, took me to sort of the, the, the final piece of the, of the project. As an aside, I think that you are the only person I know who has had a use for m- multiple novelty checks. <laughs> uh yeah yeah it was it was funny uh nick wilson asked a really poignant question when i first showed the work that sort of alluded to the similarities between modernist sculpture and novelty sized checks (laughs) uh which uh which the novelty sized check led led to was my, my sort of an attempt at a modernist sculpture with the bears my next question for you is uh, in preparation for the show and, and in preparation for this interview, I had read some articles about your work and you talk about some of the criticism you've received of your work from the bears. And I'm interested in exploring critical frameworks. And I wondered if you could talk about like how you take this kind of feedback and apply it in your work. Yeah, I think um, the Bears, as well as myself, um, was sort of disappointed with my attempt to create modernist sculpture. Um, It took a little while for the Bears to become interested in what I was doing. I felt that my use of form was quite naive. Um, I, you know, I've never attempted to make anything uh, similar before. But sort of in this uh, critique, I was able to kind of evolve the project a little bit. And the project really became more about the collaboration with the bears than with the the final form of the sculpture. It really was more about my relationship with the bears than it was about the the sculpture itself. And that became evident later, but it it took a while. I wasn't even going to include that work at the first venue that I showed at. But luckily I had a critique with some friends um, beforehand and it became apparent that uh, that work was quite strong. And, and I, I believe that it's actually probably the strongest, the strongest work in the exhibition. Um, and it sort of, yeah, really shows this uh, evolution of how the, uh, how the project went over time. 
Yeah, I think something that you also have written about is the relationship to masculinity and sort of like land. Um, and I think within that, there's also kind of a conversation about being on this land as a settler and and how you're sort of working through some of those complexities. And so I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that aspect of the work as well. Yeah, it's definitely, you know, I'm, I'm always uh, conflicted by my own presence on the landscape you know, sort of with uh, a bit of imposter syndrome, this ultimately isn't my land. And I don't, I don't feel like it is my land. I feel that I'm more of a caretaker of the land. So while I try to negotiate these complex feelings, um, I try to just make sure that I'm leaving the land in a better place than, than when I got there. I purchased this quarter section, so on paper I do own it, but I really do feel like it, it's not mine. There's, you know, it's it belongs to the the trees and the and the animals and the mycelium network uh, that connects everything below, and you know the indigenous people that use the forest behind the land uh, for hunting and gathering, and it's complex for me. I always wonder if I should even be out there if if I truly love nature, maybe I should just step back from it and let it do its own thing. Um, but, but yeah, it's hard. Well, thank you so much, Jeff. I have like one last final, final question, which is something that I've been asking to all of our podcast guests. And it's that I'm trying to draw a link through our podcast this season, which is called How to Ask a Question. And that speaks to kind of like a larger investigation into what good criticism looks like and how it connects with labor practices. And I'm, I was thinking kind of specifically in terms of humans, like I'm not a good thinker when I'm tired and I'm not engaging properly when I'm overworked, etc. But I'm interested in questions of capacity and labor. Great conversations don't come out of nowhere. So as an artist, as an ecologist, as um, a new parent, I'm curious about how you manage your own workload and your ability to be present with your various projects. Oh, yeah. Well, I've, I feel like I've uh, had to put art on the back burner a little bit uh, lately because, uh, yeah, I am a new parent. We have a baby girl who's uh three and a half months old. So it's quite fresh and uh, a bit intense. And then I'm also finishing up my studies uh, in environmental biology. So art has taken a bit of just a temporarily put on the back burner. I do want to continue the work. I did make some preliminary attempts at collaborating with beavers. Um, I guess a, not this past summer, but the uh, the summer prior to that, um, and that work feels unfinished. But uh, I, I think I'm getting somewhere with that. I feel like a lot of my ideas come when I'm kind of least expecting it. They definitely don't come when I'm scrolling my phone. <laughs> I feel, yeah, I have to get better at... Uh, Putting the phone down and allowing my mind to wander more. Um, I think that's a healthy thing for us all to do. Um, 
is just yeah let letting letting the mind wander sort of not having something intentionally occupy it for lengths on time just giving it giving it a break i guess right not not having it overworked yeah um you're not alone in that in that testimony our other guests have kind of reflected on on similar things but i think it's it's been really fascinating to get artists reflecting on this question because we're all dealing with with it in some form or another sort of like juggling various commitments um, and trying to kind of like make good work in the meantime. Yeah. I'm I'm like always kind of interested to know how artists who have like a a studio practice um, are able to do it. Uh, Like, I feel like my work is mostly conceptual in nature. um, And the ideas are usually like, pretty easy to I mean not easy but uh I can I can put the ideas together fairly quickly um I'm not like laboring over the the potter's wheel for hours on end um you know trying to make the perfect thing yeah I guess with my work and maybe it's intentionally set up this way that uh, some imperfection is is okay. And I think in my case, often the work grows through those imperfections um, because uh, different aspects of the work end up showing themselves. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jeff, for your candor and your reflections on your show. Art for Animals is up in the Vitrines Gallery at Gallery 44 until February 4th. And you can also catch an article about Jeff's exhibition in the Globe and Mail, forthcoming. Very cool. Um, and it sounds like, yeah, you have an upcoming project at the Art Gallery of Regina for, for any of our Prairie listeners. Drop us a line with your thoughts on today's pod. You can reach me at Lillian at gallery44.org or follow us on Instagram at gallery44photo. This podcast was written and presented by Lillian O'Brien Davis. That's me. Co-produced by Alana Traficante. Audio editing by Aaron Hutchinson. And special thanks to Respectful Child for the sweet tunes. Talk to you next time.